Turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 2, Ephesians chapter number 2. And while you're turning there, uh, I want to share a blessing with you, if you'll permit me, as I was listening to the uh, offertory uh, uh, song being played. Uh, boy, what a blessing that was, and enjoyed that. And then hearing Brother Amos sing, I was reminded that both Miss Allison and Brother Amos grew up here. And uh, they grew up in this ministry, and uh, now uh, their families are they're serving here. And what an uh, amazing thing it is uh, to see what God does in the lives of people who just, just stay in there. And uh, certainly, and that's when I, I, I mention this because I want to encourage uh, some of you who are rearing your children now. Um, the, certainly, Allison is not a finished product. We know that. Amos is not a finished product. Am I right, Miss Abigail? Yes, we, we know that. Um, well, you, you just, they were just, as children, though, you had no idea what God would do with them. And so I just want to offer that, that, boy, if God can use Amos, and if God can use Miss Allison, God can use your kids, too. That's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, well, you, you get your kids ready on Sunday morning, you bring them to church. Uh, you, you rearrange your schedule to put them in the Christian school. You have to run all over the place because of this activity and that activity. If you will hang in there, you'll see God do some things with your children that you never dreamed he could do with your children. Now, certainly they had to make some decisions in their life, but they had the opportunity to make them because mom and dad made sure to have them where they were supposed to be uh, so that God could do a work in their life. It's not always easy getting where you need to be keeping everybody involved, but it is worth it. And so I would encourage you, that's just, the Lord just uh, impressed that upon me. I'm still going to preach my message this morning, but uh, I just thought that would be a, a blessing uh, to you to just, just hang in there and uh, let God do a work. He does a work over time. Ephesians chapter number two, I'm going to read verses one through 10 this morning. And if you read the bulletin letter, all three of you who read the bulletin letter each and every week, uh, I mentioned in that letter that I plan to start today just a three-sermon series from this passage. I didn't tell you what passage, but from this passage of Scripture. Uh, my plan is today to preach from verse number 8. Uh, my plan next Sunday is to preach a message from verse number 9. And then the Sunday after that, to preach a message from verse number 10. And so uh, that is the plan. Now, the more that I've studied this, something tells me there's going to be a, a message after that and a message after that and a message after that. Uh, but uh, I want to focus in this, this little three, if it's three uh, uh, messages, it, it's, it may be more than, it's, it's going to be more than that. I'll just go ahead and tell you, since I wrote that letter, there's more than three. But I'm focusing in this little series, if you will, on the word grace and the word mercy. And salvation we have because of those two words. It's by grace because of mercy. And so we'll look at different aspects of these 10 verses, but today we're going to uh, focus on verse number 8. But I want to read verse number 1 down through verse number 10, if you'll follow along with, with me. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our own flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, 
hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I've mentioned already that verse number eight will be our focus this morning, but I want you to see two words at the beginning of that verse, by grace, by grace. That's the title of the message this morning is by grace. Father, help us today as we look in your word. May the Spirit of God do one of two things today. May the Spirit of God remind the saved of how they're saved, of the person in whom is our salvation. May we rejoice in the grace of God. May we focus on what he's done for us. Then may the Spirit of God, if there's the unsaved today, those who've never put their faith in Christ. May the Spirit of God put that individual under conviction this morning. They may not know its conviction, but they may feel the prick in their heart. They may feel the heaviness on their shoulders of the realization that there's only but one way of salvation, that's through Christ. And Father, today, may that individual realize their need of salvation. May they trust Christ as their Savior. May you do a work this morning, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Verse number 8 of Ephesians chapter number 2 is certainly an important verse. It's a powerful verse. It's a verse that reminds us of our need, of our need of salvation, reminds us of how we obtain salvation. Certainly when we put it in context of the first 10 verses, we realize that it is all about the Lord Jesus Christ and what God did for us in sending His Son. But if we notice these words this morning, I want us to focus on verse number 8 and very practically just break down what this verse tells us today. There are several verses that grab my attention as I read this verse, and as this verse has been committed to memory, and there's words that always just seem to jump off the page, if you will, when you think of verses like this. The first word that I want to mention this morning, then we'll focus on the title of the message, is that word saved. If you're not saved, that word doesn't mean a lot to you. If you're not saved, you may not understand fully what that word means. If you're not saved, you, you may hear that word and think it's a, it's, it's a word that's used at churches, that's used in religious circles. But if you're saved, that word means something to you. If you're saved... That word has a great meaning. If you're saved, you may not even be able to articulate a definition, but in your heart, you know what it means to be saved. In your mind, you know what it means to be saved. A simple definition this morning, what, say, what do we say is to focus on, well, how do we describe that? You can't define the word saved as is mentioned in the Bible without just, just explaining what we're saved from. What are we saved from? What does it mean to be saved as a child of God? To be saved means that we are saved from the consequences of our sin. There, there may be many things 
uh, that we have in common this morning. There may be a few things we have in common, but let me tell you, there's one thing every person in here has in common. We're all sinners. We all have a sin nature. We are born into sin from Adam all the way down. No matter what this world says, and no matter what the, uh, the devil tries to, to convince us, or no matter what society uh, tries to uh, paint the Bible and paint the way things should be today, uh, there are consequences of our sin. You do not, if I can say it like this, you don't sin in a vacuum. We sin and it has no consequence, no, no effect. No, there are consequences of sin. The Bible is very clear that those consequences of sin, and that leads me to the next reminder that we're saved from, we're saved from the judgment of God. Well, this world's got it messed up. Don't, if you're lost today, don't come here with that. I'm not letting no, 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 no uh, preacher uh, judge me. You better not be afraid of the judgment of a pastor or, or, or another Christian or a Christian mom and dad. It's the judgment of God. This world is not going to be judged by the Emmanuel Baptist Church. It's not going to be judged by this preacher. This world is going to be judged, and every man that's ever lived is going to be judged by the Almighty God. The same God who spoke everything into existence. The same God who put the stars where they are. The same God who put all the laws of science, and He bends them, and He molds them any way He wants to. The same God is going to judge man for his sins. But if you're saved... You'll never face that judgment. If you're saved, you'll never be judged for those sins. And I'm getting ahead of myself because Christ was judged for them on Calvary. If we're saved, we're saved from the consequences of our sin, which is what? The judgment of God. What is that judgment? It means we're saved from hell. Well, you think about that this morning. To be saved means when we hear of that horrible place called hell, that is, that is a real place. And I believe there are real people who are suffering in hell today while we meet in church because they were not saved, because they, they paid for their own sin debt. And for somebody who is saved, when you hear the story of the rich man in hell, you don't fear hell because you've been saved from it. When you know that of the future that, that the devil has and he's cast into that lake of fire, you don't fear that because you've been saved from it. Amen. That word saved has a wonderful meaning to the child of God. Amen. And friend, this morning, if you're not saved, boy, by the time the service is over, you'll, you'll know how you can be saved from your own sins, saved from the consequences of your sin, saved from the judgment of God, and saved from that horrible place called hell. Because, uh, friend, if you're saved this morning, uh, it's a wonderful thing to know that you're saved. But we can't think of that word saved and what we're saved from without thinking of the two words that we've already shined a light on this morning, those two words, by grace. Because if you're saved today, you were saved by grace. Because that's the only way man can be saved. So when we think of salvation and being saved, what that means, for by grace are ye saved, it is by grace. A simple definition of that word grace, and you probably know this, is unmerited favor of God. It's not favor you could have earned. 
If you're saved and you know you're on your way to heaven, you know what you are saved from, you did not wake up one day and say, I'm, automatic, I'm just saved from a lot because I feel like I am. You didn't win the lottery and say, hey, I'm one of the few that, that gets saved and one of the few that, that doesn't have to pay for my sins. Oh, no, no, no. If you are saved, it's by grace. And let me just say this morning, if you don't know that you're saved from the consequences of your sin, and if you don't know that you're saved from the judgment of God, and you don't know that you're saved from that horrible place called hell, let me introduce you to two words. By grace can change that. By grace is what makes a difference. By grace is what alters your eternity. By grace, that unmerited favor of God that makes you a child of hell and, and takes you to be a child of heaven. Those words, by grace. I want to focus on those words this morning as we think of being saved, what we're saved from, how we're saved by grace. This morning, if you know you're saved, well, when we think about eternity, we think about consequences of our own sins. We think about uh, standing before a holy God. We think about uh, that place called hell. You better know that you're saved. And if you're not saved this morning, well, I, let me tell you about the unmerited favor of God by grace. As we think about those words by grace, I want us to notice several things this morning from verse number 8. The first thing I want us to, 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 to notice, and I'll, I'll make statement number one, is by grace is evidence of God's love. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Do you know why you have the unmerited favor of God? If you're saved on your way to heaven, been forgiven of your sins, you didn't deserve to be forgiven of your sins. You and I deserve hell because of our sin. If we're saved, we have that unmerited favor. That means you can't, the very definition of grace means you can't earn it. The very definition of grace means you can't inherit it. It means we have it. Why does he give us that grace? Why does he offer that unmerited favor? It's because he loves us. It is evidence of God's love. God's, the evidence that God loves you is not because He bestows a whole bunch of things on you, not because that you have certain things in, in your possession, not because you have a certain amount in your bank account. Obviously, God blesses all of us, but that's not evidence of God's love. Evidence of God's love is the fact that He offers us grace so that we don't have to face his judgment. We don't have to face the consequences of his sin. It is the gift of God. I don't know about you, but when I read those words in, in Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. There's another verse that comes to my mind. In John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. For God so loved that He gave. Friend, you can't receive a gift unless somebody gives it to you. If you take it without somebody giving it to you, you didn't receive that, you stole it. You can't steal unmerited favor. It is given because God loves us. It is the gift of God. For God so loved the world that He gave. See, He could not just give us salvation without giving us His Son. Because sin had to be paid for. 
He could not just give us eternal life without giving us His Son. Why would God do that? Because He loved us. It is a true statement that this world will face the judgment of God. It is a true statement that if man dies in his sins, his sins will send him to hell. It is a true statement that God is a holy God, He's a righteous God, He's a just God, and He demands that sin be paid for. But it's equally true that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When we say by grace, it is evidence of God's love. So, Christian, this morning, when you hear these verse, this verse quoted in the future, when you read it, when you read, for by grace are you saved through faith, I don't want you to read this verse without thinking of the fact God loved me. God loves me. He loves us. And the evidence of His grace is the fact that He sent His Son. The word grace would be nothing if God did not also love us. The word grace would be ineffective. If God did not give because he loved us, by grace is evidence of God's love. Statement number two, by grace is evidence of Christ's sacrifice. I give you the same verse of scripture this morning, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What does it mean that he gave his only begotten son? His son was the only one worthy to be the sacrifice that God would accept. Man, when they are born in their sin, they are destined for hell. Man cannot change that, but God could give a gift in His Son, and His Son would be the only one worthy of God accepting. His son gave himself on Calvary. Let me remind you what Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 says. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. God established before you and I were ever born on this planet that the payment of sin would come through Christ. And that word, suffered. Friend, we don't have time this morning, but I would reference you to the Gospels and the account of the crucifixion. Would I thank God for the resurrection, don't you? I thank God that we have a Savior who conquered death and hell. But let's not minimize or overlook the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of by grace, it's evidence of His sacrifice. But now once in the end of the world, that He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. By grace is evidence of Christ's sacrifice. Uh, friend, he is the only one worthy that God would accept that payment. Number one, we say by grace is evidence of God's love. Number two, by grace is evidence of, of Christ's sacrifice. Let me hasten to number three. Notice in this verse, for by grace are ye saved through faith. We've talked about saved, what it means to be saved. It's what we're saved from. By grace, that unmerited favor. We've already seen it's the gift of God. God gives us the gift of His Son because He loves us. We think of that gift that was given. God just not, did not just 
transpose that forgiveness just because you want to do it. No, there had to be a payment. His justice says there has to be a payment. And Christ sacrificed himself, paid your sin debt. You should have been on the cross of Calvary. I should have been on the cross of Calvary. You, should have, you, you, you deserve hell. I deserve hell. But Christ made himself the sacrifice. We notice in verse 8, are you saved through faith? And that not of yourselves. Number three, by grace is evidence of man's unworthiness. That word saved, if you're saved, it means something. It reminds you what you're saved from. But you truly can, if you take the time to focus on the word saved, you can't help but be reminded of how unworthy you are of salvation. If you're saved this morning, and I'll not ask you to raise your hand at this point, but if you're saved this morning, it's not because you deserve to be saved. It's not because you were good enough to be saved. It's not because you were born into the right family. It's not because you, 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 there's, you kept the Ten Commandments. Because by grace is evidence of man's unworthiness. And that not of yourselves. Friend, I've been saved since I was a child. I trusted Christ as a child. I realized my need of a Savior as a, as a child. I've been saved ever since then. And there has not, even though I've been saved all these years, there's never been a day that I was worthy of that salvation. There's never been a day that my worthiness is my salvation. There's going to be a lot of people when they're going to face God in eternity and they're going to offer their good works. They're going to offer their name. They're going to offer all the good deeds they did. They're going to offer the times they kept the Ten Commandments. And they're going to find out that all that is unworthy when compared to, to our sin nature. And it's all unworthy as we look at how God looks at our sin and how sin and God cannot coexist, but how He sent His Son he, he, by grace, he, he gave us His love. He gave us His, his sacrifice. He gave us his, his Son so that we could have salvation. Those words, by grace, reminds us unmerited favor of God. You can't save yourself. I say this, and I make no apology for saying it. The Pope can't save himself. A priest can't save himself. And by the way, if they can't save themselves, how can they save you? There's not a holy man, quote-unquote holy man, that's ever lived that can save anybody. Belief in Muhammad will send you to hell, just like belief in the Pope, just like belief in any. If you believe, I believe what the Baptist preacher said. You better believe what God said. By grace is evidence of man's unworthiness. Man needed a Savior. If you sit here today and you don't know that you're saved, let me tell you, you need a Savior. Because you're not worthy to save yourself. You're not worthy. Well, I'm trying to give, I'm live a good life. Well, you try all you want to. That doesn't make you worthy. I commend you for trying to live a good life. But it's foolish to try and live a good, good life when grace is what is available for salvation. By grace, 
is evidence of man's unworthiness. Then it brings us to number four. Notice, if you will, for by grace are ye saved. Notice these next two words, through faith. By grace is evidence of one way of salvation. There's not many ways of salvation. There's one way. Say, oh, you think it's the Baptist way. I think it's the Bible way. It's an amazing thing. God doesn't look at what your quote-unquote denominational tag is for salvation. He just looks because you come through faith. That word faith, if we take that word faith by its definition, I think it will give us a good explanation of what it means by through faith. How do we uh, obtain that unmerited favor? You can't earn. If it's unmerited, it's nothing you've earned. It's nothing you can win. It's nothing you can acquire. It's granted freely. So how do we access that, this gift that is available, this grace of God? What, 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 a, what an amazing phrase that even is, the grace of God. By grace. How do we get that? How do we obtain that? If, if there was a treasure map that, that drew a line to salvation and, and you had to climb mountains and you had to, had to traverse valleys and you had to, to just sell everything to go get it, well, we, we would line up for that and say, that's my eternal life. That's heaven versus hell. Well, how do, we, how do we get that grace? Through faith. We have a map, if you will, that says if you want forgiveness for your sins, if you want to be saved, it's through faith. That word faith is simply means belief. The assent of the mind to the truth of what is declared. Declared by another, resting on his authority and veracity without other evidence. The judgment that what another states or testifies is the truth. What is, what is the definition of faith? It is belief. The ascent of the mind to the truth of what is declared by another. Say, so well, I, did, I didn't see Jesus come out of that tomb. It's belief in what another has said. It is resting on His authority. Friend, I'm sorry if this hurts your feelings and you disagree with what God has said. I'll go with God's authority before I go with man's authority. I'll go with God's authority. I'll go on His record before I go on religion's record. The judgment that what another states or testifies is the truth. It's just without other evidence. So I just, I've, just got to, I've just got to see more evidence. Then there's no faith. Well, I just got to be convinced there's no faith. It's without other evidence. That firm belief of God's testimony and of the truth of the gospel, which influences the will, it leads to an entire reliance on Christ for salvation. Entire reliance. If you got faith in Christ, but you also have, the, have faith in church for salvation, you don't have faith for salvation. Right. It's entire reliance 
on Christ. Simple, silly illustration, but I think it'll illustrate. You're sitting in a chair. And when you sit in that chair, you don't ask to see the manufacturer's specifications before you sit down. Can somebody convince who was there when that chair was made? Millions and millions of years ago. You can put two and two together. I want to see, I want to know who the eyewitness. Well, we have a record that the chair was built. And when you go to that chair and you go to sit down in that chair, you, you sit down and you put your complete faith in it. You, you might not have had faith in, in your legs getting down and up. But when you plop down, you had faith in that chair. I didn't see anybody this morning saying, I'm going to sit down. Okay, you hold this side of me and you hold this side of me just in case that chair doesn't hold up. No, you might have did that because your legs don't hold up. But you didn't do it because that chair didn't hold up. He's saying it's just as easy to put your faith in Christ. You either believe or you don't. You either believe what he says or you don't. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Nobody is reconciled to God except they come through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody has their sins forgiven if it's not through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's a lot of sincere people, and and they believe that church membership will do it. They can be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. Their faith is in what some churches said, not in what Jesus has said. Friend, you and I must be reminded that our faith must be in Christ. So I, I can't even understand everything about it. Friend, I don't understand everything about it. Say, Pastor, you, you're a pastor and you've been on this long. You don't understand everything about it. If I understood, I'd understand the doctrines of salvation. I don't understand how a God can love dirty, rotten sinners. I don't understand how Jesus could offer himself. I don't understand how all the, all, everything about it worked. But I do understand this. Jesus said that he was the way. And when I put faith in what he has said, quite frankly, you don't have to understand it all. You just have to understand that you're lost on your way to hell, lost in your sins. God loves you enough and has offered grace. And you just have to believe what Christ has done. Well, I think of that song, Amazing Grace. I will not sing it for you now. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. This grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Are you saved? It's by grace. Friend, this morning, we ought to be grateful for the grace of God. Friend, if you're here and you've never been saved, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, maybe you're resting your faith in your eternity, in your own works. Why would you depend on you instead of Christ? It's through faith. Well, my, my, my family has been in this belief and this denomination for all these years, friend. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That unmerited favor of what we, we deserve judgment from God. We deserve to pay for our sins. We deserve hell. By His grace, He offers us His Son. Evidence that He loves us. Christ paid the payment already. Oh, friend, if, if somebody, if you, were, if you were at a restaurant or you were at a store and you, you took your check and they, somebody said the bill has already been paid... It would make no sense for you to say, I'm going I'm to pay it anyway. You could do that, and they might would take your money. But when it comes to our eternity, why in the world we want to leave this side of eternity and go into eternity, having the payment already paid, and say, I'll pay for my sins myself. I'll pay, I'll take what I deserve instead of what Christ has offered by the grace of God, that's amazing. You may say this morning, I don't understand fully what that word save means. If you get saved, you'll understand. Because you'll realize what you've been saved from. Well, Pastor, I, how do I do it? It's through faith. You believe what Christ has said and did. This morning may... We do business with God. Father, I pray that you would use the message today.